0: Well, remember back in chapter 6, verse 14, and we're going to find this in these chapters. So, chapter 6 sort of gives us a verse, then it says, we're going to have a whole chapter on that. We're going to have a verse in chapter 7, it's like, hey, we're going to have a whole chapter on that. And so, in chapter 6, verse 14, he sort of mentions the principle here For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Not under law. What, what's that mean? Sin can't have dominion over you anymore. Why? Because you're not under law. Well, what's that mean? That brings us to chapter 7, and now he's going to give us an explanation of why sin no longer has dominion over us. That's going to really be chapter 8. But uh, he's going to explain why we are no longer under the law. And in chapter 7, verse 1, do you not know, and that's a phrase we saw a couple times in chapter 6, this is a self-evident truth that every new believer should even understand this. Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law. So uh, Jews who have been raised with the law, uh, Gentiles who have come to know the law like us, that the law, referring to the Old Testament, has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband, so here's an analogy for you, an example of piece of the law and how it works. Uh, she's bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, not suggesting anybody kills her husband here. He's just going by the law, giving you a law here. If the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. So that she is no adulteress, though she was married. Has married another man. And so, very simply, the law is, and it's on our books here in our country today, the same uh, way that once a spouse dies, uh, that contract, that covenant before God, the covenant you made to her, uh, to him, to be before um, the family and friends, and uh, of course, legally. Uh, On our books here in our country, not every country has the same laws. But again, our country is based on the laws brought, derived from the Bible. But um, and basically, he says here, just like in the law, you're you're no longer bound to that covenant, that contract, uh, legally, spiritually, morally. You're free, and now uh, you can marry someone else. And there's no moral. Uh, Sin that's being broken. There's no legal law that's been broken. You're free now to marry someone else. And in verse 4, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law. How? Through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him, to Jesus, who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Now, as we've studied Romans this far, we we realize that when Christ died on the cross, he paid for our sins. When he died on the cross, we died with him. When he rose again, we also rose again to a newness of life. But now we understand there is another thing that happened on the cross. Colossians 2, verse 14. Make a note in your notes or in your Bible there. And in Colossians 2.14, he says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So the handwriting of requirements that, again, the law was against us, was contrary to us, the law itself was also nailed to Jesus and therefore, the law has become dead to us. We're no longer under the law through Christ's body. He died, taking out our old husband, if you would. <laughs> and so now we are free, in verse 4, to marry another. To who? To Jesus. So let's back up just a little bit. When we were born into this world, we were born sinners. Therefore, we were born under the law. Now, again, when you talk about being under the law, we we, we hear the basic requirements of the law, which really didn't need to be written. As a matter of fact, they weren't written for uh, almost a thousand years uh, as we go up to the time of Moses when they were first written. Um, And in reality, the law was in effect because we're all made in the image of God. And being made in the image of God, we have the conscience. We have the, the, the reality. It's innate within us. It's, a, it's one of the, the, the basic principles. Probably to talk about Wednesday night. Uh, it's called the moral law for the existence of God. That every human being on the planet has the same moral law. Now, maybe defined differently by a corruption of culture Maybe defined differently by the corruption of man, but it's the same. Wherever you go in the world, you could go to a little tribe of people out in the middle of the Amazon rainforest that's never seen anybody besides your own tribe. And you will find that every human being knows it's wrong to lie, it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to rape, it's wrong to commit adultery. We know these things. They're in our hearts. And even as a small child, when we stole something, there was a sick villain in us. We knew it was wrong. We cheated on that spelling test in second grade. And oh, we just couldn't eat. We couldn't sleep. We were just in so much pain and acting out and we frustrated. And we didn't know how to understand it. but We knew something wasn't right. And... God wrote it down in the law. He wrote it for us to make it clear to us. If you would, it was a mirror for us. Before the mirror came, you know, I, I can look at you and, you know, you don't have a mirror and I'm looking at that smudge on your cheek and your hair all out of whack and, you know, I, looking at you and you and you, you know, everybody without a mirror, we all look pretty scruffled. I'm assuming that if I could see myself, I'm looking like you. And sure enough, the mirror finally comes along and I look going, oh boy, it was worse than I thought. Um, <laughs> and the law, if you was, was a mirror to, to help us to see. And, and what did we discover? The law says, don't lie. Ooh, I have lied. But boy, I'm never going to lie again. Are we going to be able to succeed in that? No, we did again. And the harder it seemed I said, I'm never going to lie tomorrow. I'm going to make sure I don't lie the whole day. I seem to lie more yesterday than I did the day before. I'm not going to lust. I seem to do it more. The, more hard, the harder I try to stop, the more I seem to do it. The, the, the law itself, we're under it. I, I know I shouldn't lie, steal, kill, at least hate in my heart or commit adultery or at least lust in my heart as unto adultery. I, I know those things should not be happening, but I'm under the law. I can't break loose. I can't get away. I, I can't change that. And so we, we realized that we were under the law because of our sin nature. And so really, if somebody were to come to you and say, I'm your best friend. Well, how is it? I didn't steal from you. I haven't lied from you. I haven't killed anybody around you. I haven't committed adultery with your wife. I, you know, I'm your best friend. I mean, what do you think about that? Is that the definition of your best friend? No, it's it's under the law. It's ugly. You're like, you haven't stole from me and you're my best friend? You, you, you know, just the fact that you say you haven't stole from me makes me think you're pretty weird. But in reality, what do we want? We want to bust loose and, and not be under the law anymore. We don't want to not steal, but we want to give. We want to not lie, but we want to just... Flood them with the truth. We don't want to just not commit adultery. We want, to, we want to be this pure person that brings them blessings, not this perverted guy hanging around. And you're looking at him We're going, man, what are you doing? You know, we, we, we want to be free, but we couldn't. We were under the law. We were kept under the law. And, and so the reality was is that there was no way we could get away from the reality of our sin nature And we're kept under the law. But Jesus Christ came. He took our transgressions, our iniquities, that old sin nature, and he crucified it. And we died. (laughs) And we raised again to a newness of life. We saw in chapter 6. That's what baptism represents. And not only that, but when we raised from the dead, guess what we also discovered? We're no longer under the law. The law doesn't apply any longer because it's not, a, it's not a matter of am I using God's name in vain? I'm wanting to praise him and worship him. It's not a matter of do I not want to steal from you. I just want to bless your life and serve you and give to you and care for you and pray for you. What's happened? I'm born again. I'm a new creature. That old law has been done away with with, at the same time with the body of sin that's been done away with. What's the answer then? The answer is to get remarried (laughs) immediately. (laughs) To get remarried to who? Look again in verse 4. To marry another who? Jesus. Who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God. Now, Understand, guys, that there is no way to bear fruit unto God by the law. Now, again, if you have not come to this conclusion, you have not yet begun to live a successful Christian life. And that is that the power of the law is one thing, and that is to show us we are sinners. In First Timothy 1, it says, The law is good if you use it rightly. Understanding the law is for sinners and not for those who have been made righteous. The law has one thing it can do and show us that we're sinners in need of a Savior. But the law... You've got to understand, even to this day, all the law can do is suppress evil. We have laws on the book today, and, and it says if you murder somebody, we're going to try to hunt you down, and we're going to try to lock you up. We're going to suppress that evil tendency so you don't murder anybody else. Or if you've raped somebody, we're going to track you down. The law is going to be against you to lock you up so it doesn't happen again. So law can only, at its best, even in a governmental situation, can just be there to suppress the evil tendencies of man that don't have them in check otherwise. It can never, the law can never elevate good. You, you don't read a law, don't murder, and all of a sudden you're a better person. You know, I used to be a horrible person until I saw law, I don't murder. Since then, I've been a wonderful person. Law doesn't make, it doesn't elevate good. It doesn't cause somebody to become better. We can, by law, suppress for a time those outward tendencies. So we arrest the guy for murder. We put him in prison to, to keep him from murdering people, at least outside the prison. But as soon as he gets out of prison, what's all our fear? But he's the same person. We, we locked him up, we incarcerated him so he wasn't able to act on those tendencies. But now that he's no longer in prison, he's back on the streets, we, there's a good chance he'll act on those tendencies. Put the rapist in the, in, the, in the prison and yeah, he's not raping women, but we're afraid once he gets released back on the streets, he's gonna rape women again. Why? Because we understand that law can suppress, sort of, but it, in many cases, it's just sort of, putting pressure on the volcano that just, once it does have a chance to explode, it's really going to explode, right? Because the real issue is the heart. The real issue is how do I get the murder out of the heart? How do I get the, the rape out of the heart? That's the issue. And so understand one other important thing about law in the governmental setting. Suppressing evil with law only works when the punishment fits the crime. And in many countries today, especially Europe, especially here in America, we have become so liberal in our stance on crime and criminals, the the punishment doesn't fit the crime in most cases. Therefore, the evil tendency of man, the law has no effect. For example, you say, well, um, I, I really hate this guy He really stole a bunch of money from me He burned me He, he you know, lost everything because of him I, I really want to murder the guy And you say, well <clears throat> Okay, what would happen if I murder him? Well, number one, i got to get caught And I've watched a lot of CSI and stuff And, you know, rubber gloves And get rid of it And, you know, I, I, I think that, you know I, I, I might be able to to do the perfect crime So Number one, <clears throat> I, I, TV has really educated me on this stuff. I can give it a try. N- number two, I got to get caught, okay? And, and I just simply say, I won't talk to you anymore. I want my lawyer, and, and so now you, you're going to have a hard time getting evidence on me. But if you finally get evidence. You take me to court. You know, it, it, it's, it's a real science today. I mean, you, if you get lawyers and slick People to lie for you and stuff. You you know doctors and psychologists and all. You you can come up with a pretty good defense, and and even then you got to get twelve people that have been educated by a pretty liberal education to come up and say, yeah, we we think the guy's guilty. And so you know, there's a pretty good roll of the dice there. I think the odds are are in pretty good in my favor. Unless you're innocent, then you'll probably be found guilty. Or you're poor, you can't do all the fancy-dancy lawyer and stuff, and then you're in trouble. But but I do get caught, and I realize the evidence is against me. I'll plead out. You know, to save the, the, the city $500,000 taking me to court, I'll plead out, and they want to plead me out for 20 years. Which means, as in California, most states, it's one good day of behavior, get one day off. So that means 10 years, but there's some other things you can do, even shave that off. I, I could probably, with a 20-year sentence, get it down to seven years. If I get caught. If I get Tried if 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 worst case scenario seven years I hate the guy seven years is worth it I'm going to give it a try it's not a punishment fitting the crime and even if it is a death sentence it won't be done speedily and again if you go back and to read the scriptures on the governmental part it has to punishment has to fit the crime and the punishment has to be swift and when those two things are not done. The law really has no effect, even in a governmental set. That's sort of on the side note there. Probably just for you, first service people, because you're much more intelligent than the rest of the services. But either way, going back to the topic here at hand, to understand this that when Christ raised from the dead, when, When he conquered the law, we're free now. We're dead to our old husband, this law, that we were sort of born into this marriage under the law. We need to now, what's the answer? Go back to the law and the law to elevate good in my life? A bunch of rituals and restrictions and regulations and religions if I get into this thing where I can get into this group and man, there are a bunch of disciplined people and they're demanding that I dress like this and cut my hair like this and talk like this and act like this and live like this and boy, if I can get my life under a heavy hand of, uh, of some religious group, these tendencies of mine will be suppressed. It says in Colossians 2.23 about such groups. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. Guys, understand, the law cannot elevate good. The law cannot promote you to grow in fruitfulness what is going to cause us to bear fruit? To marry Jesus. To have a relationship with Jesus. The, the issue is we're no longer under the law. We're under what? Grace, we saw in 614. What is going to cause us to live a holier, purer, more fruitful life? It's a, having this intimate relationship with our husband, we as the church of the bride of Christ, and to just cling to Jesus, to love Jesus, to run to Jesus. In John fifteen five, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who, what? Abides in me. And what? I in him. What does he do? Bears much fruit. Notice he didn't say, "He who becomes this disciplined person, he who makes a list of personal restrictions, he who sets down a his own set of religion." You, you know, no these things again. I understand they, they. You know, you're wrestling. You're oh, you're just today. We're all fighting the flesh in some area. Maybe it's physically you're fighting the flesh. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's Overeating, overspending, over indulgence in a many different ways. You know, if you've ever wrestled with the flesh, it's like the the bubble under the plastic, you know, you push the bubble down and another one, one pops pops up over here. There, there's so many issues, but we're just sort of looking at the biggest bubble today. And uh, we think, boy, once I get rid of that bubble, boy, I'll be in good shape. And as soon as we get that bubble down, boop, we realize there's some other issues in our life. And 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 we we can again can can try in our own strength in our own program but you're going to come to the conclusion that Paul is coming to and boy next week in the second half of chapter 7 Paul really brings this thing to a conclusion and and really turns the light on I hope for all of us but the answer is Jesus the answer is abiding in him and he and his words and his spirit abiding in us and you say well chart that out for me brian write write that out let let me see it mathematical you know guys we are spiritual beings we're soulish beings unfortunately the laws of our day are ignoring that you know why is prostitution a sin a lot of people are scratching their heads going why is prostitution a sin i don't know it's soulish guys when you have sex with a person, it's soulish. You you're not just are a criminal for hurting somebody's body, but our laws throughout history has been that you're a criminal for hurting people's spirit and their soul as well. But now that man's going, I, I, we're just looking at man as, dirt, you know, as flesh. We're not looking at man soulishly anymore. A lot of crimes are going to start falling off the, the roster. And so we, we come to understand that we're a soulish being and, and, and much of the answer to our fleshly struggles is our spirit being built up, our soul being healed by that intimate abiding walk with the Lord. Uh, many of your fears and phobias and hurts and angers and frustrations has to do with a wounded soul from your past, a wounded soul from your current decisions that need to stop being made and and the answer is being built up in the spirit in Galatians 5 16 through 18 I say then walk in the spirit and what's the byproduct of that you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh see so often we say I got to fight the lust of the flesh no just be built up in the spirit the lust is going to be there but you won't act on it and there in five seventeen of Galatians, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They are contrary to one another, at war with one another, so that you may not do the things that you wish. One of them's gonna win. If you're walking in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're walking in the flesh, you won't fulfill the desires of the spirit. And in verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, here's an important last part of this verse, what? You are not under the law. See, Christians often feel like, man, I'm under the law. I should be worrying about speaking the truth, but I'm wrestling with lying. I should be concentrated on giving and loving and serving, I'm concentrating on not stealing. Well, what happened here? I'm a born-again believer. Guys, the answer is walking in the Spirit so you're not in bondage in a physical, earthly sense Under the law. Spiritually, you are not under the law. God is no longer judging you by the law. Chapter 8. We'll get there of Romans. And another verse here in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit. Notice it doesn't say the fruit of the law. The fruit of restriction and rituals and regulations. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Here's a big one. We're talking about fighting the flesh. What? Self-control. And what do we find in the conclusion? Against such? There's no law. Why? Because all these things are above the law, aren't they? They're not under the law. All these things are, it's irrelevant. The law becomes irrelevant. I don't want to say above the law. <laughs> it's not quite the right term. But, but the, the law becomes irrelevant. Because if I'm loving you, I'm definitely not stealing from you. If I'm, if I'm loving you, then I'm not lying about you. You see? And so again, this is where we, we see the answer is in this abiding walk with the Lord. And so we need to come to the same conclusion here. That we now can bear fruit to God through our new husband through the marriage and the intimacy and the abiding life with our new husband, Jesus. Well, in, back in Romans chapter seven, verse five, for when we were, notice there, past tense, in the flesh, the sinful passions were, which were aroused by the law, were, past tense again, at work in our members. Notice what we bear fruit to in the law. We bear fruit to death. So in Christ, we bear fruit to God. In the law we bear fruit to death. But notice here, and this is again Romans 8, when once you become a born-again believer, you are no longer in the flesh. You wrestle with the flesh. You fight with the flesh. The spirit in the flesh, until the day we die, we're we're in this battle. You say, well, I feel like I'm in the flesh. You know what? When you're in the flesh, you don't even care about the spirit. I remember back in, uh, junior high, I think it was. Uh my brother's friend woke me up on a Saturday morning, and said, Brian, Brian, you gotta see this. And and he took me into where he had slept in one of the, the rooms and, and there he showed me this trash can that had oh about three inches of vomit in it. And he goes, Smell it, smell it. And I'm like, what? And it was a lot of liquid and he goes, Dude, can you smell that? I'm like, it's the worst smell I've ever smelled. He goes, that's alcohol, man. Last night was the first time I got drunk, man. I just, I just you know, started, started throwing up in the toilet and I thought, no, I, I know you're going to want to see this. And so there it is, man. And I mean, he was so proud. It was this amazing rite of passage. You, you see, when you're in the flesh, the things of the flesh are joyful and triumphant. And, and, and you know, that guy in, in months following, every time he had a sexual conquest would, you know, give me the... The, the latest update and 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 boy he 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 beat up people, he wronged women, he he the guy was a horrible guy, but there was no struggling for him. He was in the flesh and he had peace living in the flesh, even though he was accursed to everybody around him. You see, it's not so with us. When we give in to the flesh, we're grieved. If God's Spirit lives in you, you sense that grieving of the spirit. We're wrestling with it. We say, Man, I was in the flesh. And and no, uh, no, 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 no. You weren't. You weren't built up in the spirit. You weren't abiding in the word and God's words abiding to you sufficiently to overcome your flesh. But you are not in the flesh. If you were in the flesh, you wouldn't be grieved right now. You're grieved because you are in the spirit you are born again and when we are not in the spirit we're grieved but god by god's spirit even though we win some and we lose some we have good weeks bad weeks good months bad months good years bad years good decades bad decades you know what god is for us romans 8 (laughs) who can be against us and so again We're not in the flesh and and so we don't want to go back to the law. I'm in the flesh. I need the law. I need need somebody to control my life so I quit acting out in the flesh. You're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. You need no one to control your life. You don't need any laws to control your life. The spirit of God will bring you to a conviction that the law of conviction will be far stricter than any man-made law. What do you mean? You see, as we walk in the spirit, God will begin to speak to us about tiny little things. It's conviction because, you know, just like with my wife, there's certain smells she she likes. So I could wear one cologne and put it on and go, boy, I just love this cologne. And, and she's like, please never wear that again. So I have a conviction that I don't wear that kind of cologne. Now, I can't get up here on Sunday morning and say, New law. Nobody buy this kind of clone. I mean, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? But, but Brian, why do you never wear that clone? My wife, whom I love, and I have this intimacy, it, it grieves her. So all of a sudden, you see, I, I can start having all kinds of convictions, not out of legalism, but out of just to bless her more. So I, I have these convictions of, of how to talk to her and, and, and how to you know, hold her hand or buy her flowers or to, to do things that I would never do, like watch chick flicks um, <laughs> with her to bless her and, and act blessed that I enjoyed the movie equally as she did. All these things that I, I do, they're not, none of them feel like laws to me. Because of my love for her, they're, they're far stricter than law ever was. But yet, the love of Christ constrains me To love him in a more stricter way than the law ever demanded. But it's out of a law of love. Well, in verse 6, but now. I love when the Bible says, but now. We have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of life, or the newness of the spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. Amen? So what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Is the law this horrible thing that never should have existed? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would never have known sin except through the law. Now, let's just stop and think about that. The law is an absolute necessary blessing to all of mankind. Why? Because until I held that actual mirror and could look into that mirror and see, don't use God's name in vain and see it. I do use God's name in vain. Don't still, I do still. Until I looked in that mirror and got a real good dose of my sinful condition, I never would have cried out for a Savior. You see, until I saw the laws and I break them all whether literally or in heart and spirit, I, I break them all. I, I realize, well, I can do better. I've I got the laws. Don't use God's name in vain. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't lust. Don't. Okay, I got it down. This week, whew, it's going to be my victory week. Monday morning, I'm going to get up. I'm going to read those laws, and I'm going to do everything I can this week. None of them. I'm going By Friday, talk to me on Friday. I am not going to break one law. Well, what happens Monday morning by 8 o'clock? I've already broke them. Well, Tuesday's my first day of the week then. Well, Tuesday, I, I broke them. Well, Wednesday's my new day. Oh, I, what do I come to eventually? It, it's not the law. It's me. It's right. It's good. I shouldn't steal. I shouldn't lie. It, 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 the law is it's, it's not about that. It's me. You know, it would be like this. If, if you were out at the park playing and you had this little, oh, sting in your ankle and sort of kept stinging and kept stinging and you're like, man, it's hard to walk and it sort of hurts. I didn't sleep good. Well, I'm going to go to the doctor and you go to the doctor and he gives you an x-ray and, and he brings you back into the room and he sits down and he puts the x-ray up there and he goes, here, right here, you, you've got a, bro- a broken leg. And you say, that x-ray machine, I hate that x-ray machine, it broke my leg. The doctor would look at you like, you're crazy, right? The x-ray machine did not break your leg. It simply revealed that you were already broken before you got here. You see, the law didn't make me a liar. It was already broken. We were born in this world in a sinful nature. We were already sinners. But the x-ray machine of the law revealed to me something very clearly. That I can get a thousand X-rays, that I could I could do everything I can to want that leg not to be broken. But I need a healer. <laughs> I need a doctor. In the same way the law, I never would have known my sinful condition without the law. I needed the law. The law is a gift of God and it's good. First Timothy chapter one. The law is good if one uses it rightly, realizing it's for the sinner. The sinner to help them see that they need a savior. Again, and, and the law is perfect. In Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Converting the soul. And in Romans 7 12, the law is holy. The law of the Lord is holy and the commandments holy and just and good. The law is spiritual. Romans 7, 14. For we know the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The law defines sin. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. Number five, the law makes the world guilty before God in romans three nineteen for we know that what the law says it says to those who are under the law that every mouth might be stopped, and all the world become guilty before God, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in the sight, for by the law is what the knowledge of sin, and then the last one here, the law is our tutor to lead us to Christ, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith, but a very important verse, verse 25, Galatians 3, 25. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. After faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So the law brought us to our depths. The law brought us to the reality that we are not just sinners with a little S, but with a capital S. That we are not just A temporary, every once in a while, liar that in the very core of my being, I am a liar. I am a lustful person. I am an angry person. I am a sinful, wicked person. And what's that bring me to looking into that mirror? It causes me to cry out and say, I need a Savior. I can't. I'm under the law and I'm going to remain under the law until I die and I'm going to be damned. Not because of the law, but because of my sinful nature, the law is damning me. I, 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 it's, it's not locking me up in a jail that's gonna stop me from being the criminal. Something has to happen to my heart. And I, I can't do it. I can't change it. And thanks be through Christ Jesus our Lord. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that we would not perish under the law, but that we, through his death and resurrection, might have everlasting life. Amen? Lord, we thank you for this book of Romans, again, just difficult to understand in many ways, but yet so profound and so powerful. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would today just imprint upon us the deep reality of who you are, who we are. That none of us have to leave here today in despair. That every one of us can leave here today victorious. How? By being married to you. And those who are married to you to be in an abiding relationship with you. Many are trying to just sort of do the Bible Belt Christianity go to church and live however we want the rest of the week. It doesn't work. It becomes an empty, weak, hypocritical religion. We have one way we live at church and appear a certain way around Christians, and then we have the real way we live when we're around everybody else. Lord, let such hypocrisy die. Let such religiosity die. And let us come to a place that we have a true, real freedom, being dead to the law, free (laughs) unto grace, free unto bearing fruit unto God. If you're here today, just... Repent. Lord, forgive me of my sinfulness. Forgive me, Lord, through the death of your cross, through the blood that you shed, that my sins as a gift to me can be forgiven. Forgive me and cleanse me. And I purpose in my heart this day to not try to control my flesh by a law or a ritual or legalism, self imposed religion as an appearance of, of, of indulgence against, or to help against the indulgence of the flesh. But it's none, it's of no use but I purpose in my heart to abide deeper in you, to abide deeper in your word, in prayer, in fellowship, in loving you, and worshiping you, and serving you. I surrender my life deeply into your hands. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. See you back here tonight. A time of prayer and a time of worship and time in the word. Bye-bye.